Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing today, this evening, this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we want the truth, need the truth, and desperately seek the truth. You've got Fox on the right, you got MSNBC on the left, and somewhere along the line, we sit with CNN in the middle. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a week. You've got the fallout from the State of the Union. You've got the trucker convoy. You've got things heating up in Florida. This has been a week for the ages. You've got even Ukraine still going on. 13 days it's been going on. The Russian stock market is still closed. You've got a country still reeling. You've got industry pulling out. And Ukraine is fighting for their life. And Russia propaganda machine is going strong. So the Russian media is painting a rosy picture. Ladies and gentlemen, gas prices are crazy. You know, you've got people bitching online about gas prices. They're high. They're high. They've never been this high before. Wrong. I remember when I lived in Virginia, gases were almost five bucks a gallon. But we forget, we forget, we as Americans like it easy. We've had it easy. We've had everything given to us our whole entire life. And when I mean that, I don't mean given to us. We've lived a cherished life being here that we live in America. We can criticize our leaders. We can push back. We have rights that other countries could only dream of. And that's what makes us special. <coughs> Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, do you ever, do you remember growing up? Do you remember growing up and in your neighborhood you had a group of friends? But you had one friend on your neighborhood. This guy had everything. He had the newest games. He had the newest comic books. This guy came for money. His parents gave him everything he wanted. They spared no expense. It was almost like they were trying to buy his love. And you became this guy's friend because you wanted, you basically wanted to share shit because your parents weren't giving you this stuff. But he had everything you wanted. This is America. The world looks at us. They want to be us because we have everything they want. So we complain about gas prices, but for the last couple of years, gas prices have been low. We've been paying low gas prices. They weren't always going to remain low. They were going to go up. And it's not because you can blame Joe Biden's policies. You, With some aspects, you can. But this, when you really break it down, it goes to the war Ukraine. They've erupted the whole fuel system. Does it suck? Yes, it sucks. But at the end of the day, what are we going to do about it? We live in this generation where we want things handed to us. I like to say we're the HGTV generation. Our parents were the greatest generation on earth because they sacrifice. They didn't care about sacrifices because it was all for the greater good. 
But we cry because we almost have to pay $4.30 a gallon for gas. Don't get me wrong, it does suck. But what are we going to do about it? Not a damn thing. We're going to sit, we're going to bitch, and we're going to pay. Gas has been this high before, but we forget. We blacked it out because the pain calls too much. We fail to realize that in Canada, the UK, a lot of European countries, gas has gone up. Is that Joe Biden's fault too? No, it is because supply and demand. Think about it. When COVID happened, gas prices went down. But now that, you know, COVID is basically gone, people are driving, gas prices were due to go back up. Refineries went offline, and they're slowly trying to find a way to come back. So we were always going to pay high at the polls. If Trump would have won re-election, he would have had this same problem. But we don't want to talk about that, because if we talk about that, we have to face the truth. So it's easy for us to be lazy, not think, and to fall into the simple, easy talking points of it's all Joe Biden's fault when we don't want to peel the onion to see the true result. This is a result of a war. This is a result of supply and demand. And this is a result of COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be better than this. We can't be lazy and fall into these talking points because that's what they want. They want us to be lazy. They want us to be dumb. They don't want us to think because it's easy for them to what? Manipulate us. For us to continually to hate each other. Of course gas prices suck. Of course you got to go to the pump and now you have to truly think. We have to cut back and cutting back hurts. We don't want to take a scalpel to our stuff. We don't want to take a machete to our stuff. We want to live this simple, easy life we've been living for years. We romanticize the last guy because everything under him was great and wonderful. But we fail to ask if the things were so great, so wonderful, why did he lose the election by 7 million votes? If we ask those, if we really truly ask ourselves those questions, we might not like the answer we come up with. Donald Trump lost because of Donald Trump. Was his were his policies great? Yes, but who were they great for? Were they great for you? Or were they great for your boss and his friends? Donald Trump didn't care about the middle class. He played the middle class. Look at the tax cuts. They weren't for us. They were for his rich cronies. Why do you think business tax cuts are permanent? Why do you think ours expire in 10 years? If that's a man that cares about the middle class, our tax cuts should be permanent too. But we live in this life. We live in this mindset where we have to blame the other side. We let them use us. Aren't you tired of being used? Yes, gas prices suck. But think about it. You know, I've been watching this stuff on Ukraine. These children. And I'm thinking to myself, these children, these children, they're lost. You think they give a shit about gas prices? They just want their country back. They would kill for high gas prices if they could have their country and their parents back. Yet we cry because our life's a little too hard. 
We live in a global world now. What happens over there affects us. Does it hurt? Yes. We say Trump was tough on Putin. Hell the fuck he was not. By Trump being placated by Putin, it led us here. It empowered the man. When Trump sat in Helsinki and said, I believe Putin over American intelligence, that should have told you something. The man never called Putin out. The man called everybody a fucking name. But when it came to Putin, he did not. Ladies and gentlemen, telltale signs. But you don't want to think that. You just want to buy until the bullshit that he sells you. You have to be smarter than that. The people in Ukraine would kill for high gas prices if they could have their country back. They would kill for high gas prices if they could live in peace. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of Joe Biden's policies have affected this. But that's what you get. Elections have consequences. Instead of bitching on Facebook every fucking minute about having to pay more in gas, why don't you wait and vote in three years like most people did to get Trump out? You know, I saw somewhere online the woman said Trump, uh, Biden was, <laughs> he was placed there. <laughs> the election was stolen. They're still buying this bullshit. The election was stolen. No proof. The only proof you have is someone's word. What is a word? What is a word? This is the HGTV generation. We want things done in 30 minutes. We don't want to suffer. We want to build a house. And when we pull back the walls, we don't want to realize we need more work done. We want things wrapped up in 30 to an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, as a country, we have to be better than what we are. Because if we're not, if we continue to close our eyes, if we continue to close our ears, if we continue to be played down, dumb too, we're doomed to fail. We're doomed to repeat. We're doomed to say, I continue to hate the other side without thinking. The pipeline, his policies, Trump was tough on Russia. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be better. The arguments don't hold up if we truly think about them. You know, people don't pay attention to politics. They come in like a movie. It's like you're sitting down and you're watching a movie and you're eating your popcorn and your friend who goes in and out the room and every time he comes in, he's sitting, he watches a little bit and then he asks you the question, hey, what's going on? Who's that guy? And what do you say? Sit the fuck down and watch the movie. You're interrupting me. That's how people treat politics. They don't watch the movie all the way through. They watch snippets. They watch clips. And then they want to tell you about something they don't know the context of it. Because they saw a clip, but you saw the whole picture. And the whole picture is clear. And when you try to tell them the whole picture, they don't want to hear it. Because if they heard it, they had to understand it. It would make them realize that Trump's not the man he told you he was. Or you think he is. 
Do you hate the Democrats? Yes, you hate the Democrats, but why? Because your dear leader said to? The election was stolen. Why? Because your dear leader told you? Do you know that when they got in the courtroom and the judge asked the lawyer, is this a fraud case? He said no. He said no, but he told you it was. How come he couldn't tell the judge? Because you can't lie to a judge if you're a lawyer. But he can lie to you, and you'll eat it up and you'll buy it. 60 fucking court cases, no wins. But Trump's still your president. Ladies and gentlemen, we're being lied to every single day. Gas prices are high, yes, but that's the sacrifice you have to make for war. I'm sure if you went to the people of Ukraine and you said you have to pay high gas prices, but you get your country back, they pay it. Go to Canada, Ireland, Europe, Brazil. Gas prices are high everywhere. Does that mean Joe Biden's the president of all these countries? Or does that mean that we live in a global economy where we all have to pay, where we all have to suffer for a stupid action of one autocrat because he sat in a room and he was isolated and he thought to himself, I can recreate my childhood with a click of a thumb. And now we're paying for it. We're paying for Years of presidents who placated uh, uh, Putin, who didn't stick it to Putin, who didn't lay down markers and say, Putin, if you don't fucking stop, you will be stopped. Russia is a strong and powerful country with strong and powerful people. You would hope that they would rise up. But the thing we saw this week is they kicked out, you know, foreign press. And they've got these people in this bubble, and they're just feeding them this bullshit. They're telling them everything is fine, everything is great, but when the people go to the ATM, they can't get money. When they look on TV, their money is worthless. McDonald's, KFC, Starbucks, gone. Studios are closing down, Netflix is gone, Apple Pay is gone. But Putin is telling his people things are great. People are in the streets rioting because they're tired. And the question when I think of, you know, what's going on in Russia, I say to myself, these people that live here want to live in that society. And you might say, well, Mark, what do you mean? I mean when I heard someone say we need to have a coup like they had in Myanmar. Because they want to place Trump at the head. So they want to live in a country like Russia, where you have propaganda networks telling you everything is great and how great Trump is. They want to live in a world where you don't have free press, where you can't criticize or talk back to your leaders. People want to live in that world. It's a clear choice now, and you're seeing Their money is shit. They're in this cocoon, and they don't know what's going on. They can't even fly to other countries because airspace has been cut off. Russia is an isolated country. 
because one man did a stupid thing. Yet we pay high at the pump and we bitch and we complain. Interest rates are high. We live in a global economy. We live in a world where everybody's intertwined. This is not the 1950s anymore where America was by itself. What goes on over there will affect us here. And we have to accept it. Gas prices are high, yes. But it'll end. They'll come down like they came down before. People don't remember because people have blocked it out or choose not to remember. Because when you remember something that is painful, it hurts. It hurts. But I'm sure if you went to those kids I saw, who now some don't have moms, now who some who don't have moms and dads, now some who don't have dads, now some whose dads are fighting for their country's freedom, if you went to them and say, you have to pay high gas prices, but everything else will be okay. They would take that deal in a minute. Yet you sit at the pump and you bitch. Yes, you sit and you type on Facebook about gas prices every fucking minute. Seven dollars here, five bucks here, four thirty here. Gas is high, but what can we do? We have to pay. What are you going to do? You got to get to work. You, like me, we have to change our lifestyle. We have to look at our budget. They call our grandparents' generation the greatest generation. And over the last couple days, I've come to realize why. Because that generation was willing to sacrifice. That generation was willing to suffer because they knew evil when they saw it. They knew they had to take care of it. Yet we don't want to. Because it hurts. It's not fun. We live in a generation where we want fun. We want to be pleased. We want to be whined and dine. We don't want to feel pain. We want to be perfect. That's why that kid in that neighborhood who had every single game, whose parents gave him everything he wanted, He didn't know hard times. He only knew good. And that kid, when he grew up and he was faced, when he was faced to have hard times, he didn't know how to act because everything had been given to him. You see, kids like me and you, when we were faced with hard times, we knew how to buckle down. We knew how to push through. We didn't crumble under the pressure because we knew what it took because we've been here before. But that kid did not. That's where we are now. People, we've gotten soft and we've got to tighten up. We've got to get hard again. Take your mind out of the gutter. We're better than this. We're better than this. There are kids right now in orphanage. There are men in Buildings, holding guns, trying to fight back Mother Russia. They don't know when it will end. They don't know when it will end. 
neither do we. Gas prices are high. Dude, does it suck? Yes! We sit at the gas pump, and we have to make life decisions. We have to look at our budget. We have to decide what do we pay for, what do we do? We can blame Biden some aspects. We can say his policies aren't fair. Yes. But if we truly looked at his policies, I would say this. You only get one earth. You only get one world. And when earth is messed up and it's inhabitable, what do we do then? So we might blame Biden because of his policies or his energy policies, but I will say this. At the end of the day, we can thank him for his energy policies because you only get one world. And when you mess it up, when it's gone, what do you do? But if I had to blame anybody, I would blame the oil companies. Do you know we subsidize the oil companies? We help them out. So when gas is low, I have friends who bitch and complain at me when I make harsh comments. But when gas is high, they say nothing. And the oil companies say nothing. You know why? Because they're making money hand over fist. Life is good for them. They don't want to suffer like we do, but when gas is cheap and they suffer, they want us to give them everything under the sun because they don't want to have to suffer. You can't have it both ways. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do things in this country that better us. We can do things in this country that we listen to the right people and we don't buy into bullshit without facts. We don't buy into things that don't mean anything. We can look at our leaders and demand the truth. We can look at our leaders and say, what are you going to do now, Joe Biden? Gas is high. Maybe it is time that you tweak some of your energy policies. Maybe it's time that you bring some of these talking heads to the White House and you look them in the eye and say, what do we do now to bring down gas prices? The funny thing I heard, the saddest thing I heard yesterday was he called Saudi Arabia and he begged for help and they turned their back on. They said, help us here or we won't help you. And I say to myself, Saudi Arabia, of all countries who we help and defend, you have the nerve to turn your back on us? You have the nerve. In situations like this, you quickly realize who your true friends are. You know, if Trump would get over himself, if he truly cared about America like he said he, he did, Maybe President Trump could give his buddy, the leader of Saudi Arabia, a call to help us out, to rise production on OPEC. The world is hurting, yet our buddies don't want to have our back. And people would say because Biden is weak, and they see that. 
Or maybe it's because Saudi Arabia sees something. They see America that is weak. And it's not weak because of the president. It's weak because of the situation it finds itself in. It finds itself in. It needs oil. And Saudi Arabia can help us. But if they help us, they want something in return for it. If it was me on the line and I called Saudi Arabia, I said, if you don't get off your fucking lazy ass to help the American people, don't ever call me for help again. Because without me, your ass would be nothing. You have to be strong in some aspects Joe Biden is not. Ladies and gentlemen, gas is high and it sucks. But we will get over this. We will overcome. Ladies and gentlemen, do you remember when Obama's health care rollout came out? And do you remember when it came out, it was flawed? And it had some hiccups. But it got overshadowed because Ted Cruz, you know, basically fucked up with his uh, filibuster and shutdown of the government. So it overshadowed uh, Obama's staled rollout of the healthcare website. Well, that idea or that what happened then has played out to Trump's truth social. The conservative platform that was created under Donald Trump and I, I say that it, as I'm saying that, I remember signing up and I got put on a wait list. And I said, whoa, that's kind of, how do you roll out a new website, our new social uh, platform, and you have a wait list? Wouldn't you have waited? Wouldn't you have waited till everything was good to go before you uh, created this? And he didn't. So... As time went by, a couple, I think it was like a week, two weeks went by, I got an email. Congratulations and welcome to Truth Social. So I went, I checked, I checked in. Truth Social is basically Twitter redone. He basically took Twitter and redone. But as I did my research to this, it's kind of fizzled and it's not what it was sold as. A lot of Donald Trump supporters aren't joining the platform. They're staying where they are. And it makes you wonder why. Here is a platform that is going to give you a voice because conservatives are constantly telling us online that their voices are being muted. But the question I would ask, how do you know your voice is being muted online if you're online? I think they sell us that bullshit to make themselves feel good. Their voices aren't being muted online. Maybe their facts are being muted online. Maybe they're being challenged on things they are saying because things they heard aren't true. Maybe Twitter and Facebook want to push the truth. Can you imagine if we made a lie and we pushed the lie, what would happen? We'd get January 6th again. But when you push the truth, when you tell people the truth, what do you get? You get the truth. Now, I've been on Truth Social. It's a replica of Twitter. 
Does that make it bad? No. But what also makes it bad is President Trump has only done one, I don't even want, what do you call it, a, a tweet? He's only done one post. So if the guy who created True Social, who was the brainchild of True Social, can't do, can't, won't make it his own, why should we? So I would say maybe True Social is a flop. It's a flop because Donald Trump has not put his weight behind it. The conservative media has not put its weight behind it. And that's sad. Here was something that was set up for conservatives by conservatives. And they won't even flock to it. Which goes into the question that what they've been saying for so long is what? Bullshit. Because they're not being silenced online. They're just being told they are. Because the people who are telling them they're being silenced online are the people who are being rejected by Twitter and Facebook because what? They've been pushing nothing but what? Bullshit, nonsense. True social can be a lot more than it is. But it's going to take Fox. It's going to take OAN. It's going to take Newsmax rising it up. It's going to take people on the right Big names, heavy hitters coming to this site and making it one. But when those people won't even walk in the door, won't even touch the platform, why should you? Half of you who probably listen to this don't even know that True Social exists. Download the app. See for yourself. Because if you don't know, how do your other conservative friends know? I know. But I know because I, I follow the news and I look at a lot of stuff. It can be more than it is, but it takes the conservative right rising it up and making it the platform that they truly want it to be. They want it to be. Why create something and then let it languish? Why tell people that you're not getting what you are getting and not putting your weight behind it? You know, Truth Social, like I was saying, could be something. And don't get me wrong, this is still the early stages. These are still the early days. I'm sure when Twitter started, they didn't have heavy hitters. There was just, you know, Mary Paul and Jane tweeting. Truth Social can be something for the conservative movement. It can be a voice that the conservative movement tells us they're not getting from their other social media platforms. It could be a platform where you kill Twitter, where you kill Facebook, and Truth Social becomes iconic. But if the RNC, if the conservative people, the Republicans, don't put their weight behind it, Melania Trump, is going to uh, parlor. If you don't have these people coming to Truth Social, what is Truth Social really? What is it really? It is a shell of what they said it could be. Ladies and gentlemen, what we lied to, when we hoodwink, were we made to believe something wasn't what it was?
The conservatives aren't being led astray. The conservatives aren't being heard. We're being marginalized. Um, no, you're not being marginalized. You're just being paused because you're painting untruths. And not a lot of people are painting untruths. Just certain people. And certain people have been muted. But if those certain people don't come to Truth Social to boost it up, Truth Social won't last long, and it will be another failed Donald Trump platform. It can be more than it is, people, but we have to realize what it is. And if we don't, what do we have? <sighs> the biggest thing that's going on right now in D.C. is the trucker convoy. The trucker convoy is a replica of what happened in Canada. The mandates, the rules, the COVID restrictions, the truckers don't like them. My take on the convoy is this. Protest is good. Protests gives voice to something that people don't want voice to be given to. It forces us to dirt our eyes and look at it and face what's in front of us. But when we're forced to do that, it has to be honest. It has to be pure. It can't be co-opted by something that is not there. A lot of the COVID restrictions are done. The mandate does not exist. The Supreme Court struck it down. So my question to the convoy would be this. What are you protesting? What is your beef? Do you know only 130 large trucks right now are circling? And the truckers said they won't. They will continue their protests until they have sat down with members of Congress and had their demands met. Those demands include rolling back national states of emergency de designations as well as many existing vaccine mandates. The truckers also call for congressional hearings on the origin of the pandemic along with an investigation into state and federal COVID responses. They demand, they want their issues met. Ladies and gentlemen, right there in line, that line should tell you one thing. This, <laughs> this convoy is bullshit. When you protest, you protest because you want things met, but you go about it in the right way. If you really want to turn the tide on things you see aren't happening, you do that on election day. But telling... Congress telling the people in the federal government that you won't stop until you meet our demands. You're not meeting our demands, so we're not going to stop. It tells me one thing. You're not serious. You know, the one thing about being a trucker I've learned is if you're not turning, you're not earning. So you have 130 truckers sitting in D.C., and the question I rise is, who's paying for the diesel? How are they making their money? 
They're trying to do something that is pure, but is co-opted by somebody. You want to start a protest, but the protest makes no sense. The COVID, van the COVID vaccine mandates are done. The restrictions have been repealed. You want to have the investigation into the origin. It has been done. It is being done. So if all these things are being done, if the mandate is done and been struck down by the courts, what is your beef then? I think it's bigger than what we are being led to believe. I believe if you truly looked at the trucker convoy, it's a convoy of people who do not like President Biden. They want to make him look bad. They want to make the Democrats look bad, which makes this convoy uh, political. It could have been something where you got both sides. Had they did this in the beginning, had they did this last year, had they did this in the beginning of COVID, but to wait to the end of COVID, to pipe up, and the idea was originating in Canada, but to do it now, after it's already been done in Canada, and say, well, we're going to do it too, and this is what we want. It lets me know that it's not genuine, and it's co-opted, and I can't buy into it. Because these people wanted to disrupt the capital. They wanted to disrupt the flow of traffic. So now you're taking a protest that should be genuine, should be fair, should be well-respected, and you're turning it into something where you're hurting other people. You know, when the right or people tell you that, you know, Black Lives Matter and all those other people over the summer, what they were doing to small business is sucked because they were hurting them and they weren't making money. And they were saying that those protests were wrong. But now those same people are telling you, well, the trucker convoy is right. You can't have it both ways. If these people are disrupting people's livelihoods, if they are disrupting people getting home from work, if they are disrupting the flow of traffic, this convoy is riddled. It's not pure. And that's why I think people need to look at it. When you have Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson meeting with the truckers and telling them things they want to hear, that lets you know right then it's not fair. This protests I will say the trucker protest could have been something. Can you imagine if all the truckers came to D.C., parked their trucks on the National Mall, got out of their trucks and stood up, and on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, can you imagine a sea of trucks? And on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, they sat up and they said, these are the demands we want. And it was televised. And they told us that their plight of what they weren't getting. They told us and they fed us the story of how truckers have been done wrong since COVID. And they said, this is what's going on now. And this is what we can do. And if lawmakers follow these steps, can you imagine? Can you imagine 
the buy-in they could have gotten from both sides. But I will say this. I think the trucker convoy has been co-opted by the right. I think the question someone needs to be asked, who's paying the bills? And what's the true meaning? I think when, like I said, when you pull back the onion and you try the, you find the true meaning of the trucker convoy, you'd be surprised. They have demands. All protests have demands, but all demands aren't met. Eventually, the trucker convoy will collapse, and they will have to get back to work. Because the question is, if they don't get back to work, how are they making money, and who's paying for them? We all want freedom. But if your freedom isn't being taken away, then what are you bitching for? What have you truly lost? Were you forced to, were you forced to get the man were you forced to get the shot? Were you required to get the shot? Or did you sit at home, buy into what you were being fed on the right, and now you're pissed off and you're in a truck and you're driving in a circle? Your, your freedom is, you still have your freedom. You just met with two senators, United States senators. You are getting press coverage. You are telling them your demands and you're saying things need to be met. A lot of countries, you can't do that. My one drawback, and I'll say it again, is I think the trucker convoy is bullshit. I support protests. I think protest is right. But I think that when you have uh, protests like this, questions have to be raised and they have to be approached. Who's paying the bills? How long are you guys going to be out here? Why aren't you taking lows? You know, how are you making your money? That's what I come down to. And what happens if your demands aren't met? Are you going to stay out here all year? All, all, you know, how, how long? You know? You, people in government don't take kindly to being say, this is what we are going to do. And for the right, for Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson to give this voice, don't be hypocrites when the left does something like it. Because you can't say, well, this protest is righteous and this protest is wrong. They're basically the same thing. They both need to be righteous. Or is it righteous because they are beefing what you want, and it's not righteous because they are pushing things that you don't like? That's the thing about politics. It's being hypocritical, and that's what people don't like. They don't like hypocrites. Do you like hypocrites? I don't like hypocrites. <laughs> so, Ron, uh, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is currently the governor of Florida. He is a potentially Republican 2020-2024 presidential candidate. And he's put two bills, well, he signed two bills recently that give me pause. When it comes to the Republican message, small government, Small government, being conservative, tax cuts, less spending. That platform will win every time. That ingredient will win every time. But I've always felt where Republicans go astray, where they go wrong, 
is when they, they leave and they start talking about social issues. It's like they can't get away and they have to go to social issues, abortion, gay rights, guns. Leave the social issues alone and hold to the principles of the conservative movement. Because if you tack too far to the right, how the hell, if you get in the general, can you go to the middle? Because if you run against me, I'm going to use everything you said while you sat on the right, trying to get the people on the right to love you, in the middle to hate you. He passed two bills, and it shows me that he's playing to his far-right fans. And that's not right. The message is clear. It cannot be no more clear than what it is. But if you hold, if you hold to these conservative principles, you can win. Don't fall in the trap of trying to please people on your right flank. How do you think Joe Biden won? He didn't please people on his left flank. He stayed true to the middle, so when he got to the general, he was above it all. But Ron DeSantis can't do that. He has to touch the forbidden fruit. It's tasty, isn't it, Ron? But the question is, will it get you the ultimate prize of what you seek? You seek the presidency. You want to be president. We all want to be president. We all think we can do a better job than the current occupant who sits in the White House right now. Ron, I would tell you this. The problems that this country faces, the way you have ran Florida, I don't know if you can. You run Florida like a cowboy. You cannot run the United States like that. You know... Someone who desperately is trying to stay in the middle and stay away from the right, I want to say this. I want a president who hugs the middle, stays in the middle, and doesn't let his right flank or his left flank pull him. Stay true to who you are. I think that's the problem of Joe Biden, and that's the problem of the Democrats right now. They have swayed too far to the left, and now they're trying to figure out how they can get back to the middle. Because they read the signs. They know what's going to happen in 2024. They're looking at a bloodbath. But can you imagine if they had tacked and stayed in the middle from day one? Got things done. I think Ron DeSantis is not noticing that. So he puts these two bills, he signs them. The first bill that gives pause to me is the Don't Say Gay Bill. It's a bill that tackles gender identity. The bill would ban talking about LGBT issues in school and restrict how they are discussed in other grades if they are deemed non-age appropriate. However, it does not specify what be considered age appropriate or who decides. 
This could open and give any parent the right to sue their child's school for compensation for allegedly harming <coughs> if they believe those discussions have occurred. The likely outcome of the bill would deter teachers from addressing these issues and shield open discussions and support for LGBT students. The bill would also require school personnel to notify parents of change in students' physical, mental, emotional health. It will specify and limit the ability of counselors and teachers to be confidential resources for students, including LGBT students, and may not feel safe. So basically, long story short, this bill wants to solve a problem that does not exist. You know, when I was in school, I never remember hearing teachers talk about this. And I think the right is in some fantasy world where they look for a problem and they say, well, we, we need to stop this LGBT and gender identity stuff going on. But it's not going on. They're just being told it's going on because somebody told them. It's not going on. And what you're doing here is now you have kids who who are undecided of who they are can't confide in a teacher. Maybe there's a teacher that a student feels comfortable talking to that he does not feel comfortable talking to his parents about. Now you've just ended that relationship because now the kid can't feel open freely and say, well, I have these feelings and I think I might be gay. The teacher can't talk to the kid about it. Maybe the kid needs to say, I might be gay. What do I do? I don't know how to tell my parents. And maybe he needs a, par a teacher to just walk him through the steps. Telling him that it's okay and that he is loved or she is loved no matter what their parents say. But if we close off that conversation from the start, if we say it's not appropriate, we've just killed a confidant for a fragile young person. And for what? Because someone on the right has said there's an issue in school that does not exist. That's what's going on. And the question we have to ask ourselves, why do we think teachers are leaving schools? It's because shit like this, because the right are passing bills that make no fucking sense. CRT, don't say gay. Why can't we just talk to our kids? <laughs> you're gay, you're gay. It's okay. It's nothing to be afraid of. But we got to chill it. We got to make kids feel like it doesn't exist. We have to make them feel like you're a boy, you're a boy, you're a girl, you're a girl. You know, there should be, let's, 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 let's dissect it a little bit. Let's dissect it a little bit. What if we had sex education? And in sex education, we curved out a, a section of that week where we talked about sex and we talked about gender, gender, gender identity gender identity. And we said, you know, there are some people at this age that feel like they might be a boy. There are some people at this age who feel like they might be a girl. And that's okay. If you have these feelings, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody is special in God's sight, no matter who you are. 
and you are love and this is a safe place. But if we live in a world where we want to shield those feelings because we don't like them, we don't like them. We can't get mad with the outcome of the world that we're creating now. It's like we want to create this safe place like the 1950s, but this is not 1950. Things that were kept in the closet are no longer in the closet anymore. It's in our face. I remember being in the military. You knew who was gay. You knew who was gay and who was straight, but guess what? You didn't give a shit because as long as they were pulling their weight, it did not matter. But if we live in a world where we have to call out someone's identity and make them feel less than because it makes us feel better, then you are less than a person and, and you should put down that good book that you hold in your hand because the only person that can judge is God, not you. But we create these bills looking for issues to solve that don't need solving because the issues don't exist. We say they do, but they don't. But we just made this kid who feels alone at this moment. We made him not feel loved. We made him not feel comfortable because we don't feel comfortable in our own skin. So we are forced to make this own kid not feel comfortable in his. So Ron will sign this bill, which is law now. And let's say if he runs for office and he gets the nomination, this is something he will be forced to face. I think a lot of people who play to their far left, far right, don't realize this. If you have eyes on big office, you play in a bit bigger pond, and you will be faced to answer for your record. Your record, and Ron will be forced to answer for his, because he says, "What? Don't say gay, Bill." Who are you protecting, Ron? Whose feelings are you protecting? This is not the 1950s. <clears throat> We're no longer in the closet. We have to accept the facts. And the facts are we have gay kids, we have straight kids, we have LGBT kids, we have all kinds of kids and all kinds of walks of life. But if we create this, this, this box, if we create this relationship where kids can't even be open with the teachers they feel comfortable talking to, we're creating a, side, a society where we're going to create these kids and put them in a box and say you're less than. And when you tell a kid who's fragile he's less than, we can't get surprised when that kid feels unsteady and maybe thinks about taking his life. But you who sits in the governor's town in the governor's mansion, you don't understand because you don't care because your eyesight is what on getting the nomination. Because you're too scared to say I'm gonna rise above it all. Because rising above it all might cost you everything. And at the end of the day, you don't want to bet the house. You want to play it safe. And playing it safe is you sign a don't say gay bill. 
Another bill Ron DeSantis signed, he followed in Mississippi's full footsteps. A 15-week abortion ban. 15-week abortion ban. Uh, once again, we're playing in this, this, this field, this, 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 this place. We want to ban abortion. We want this. We want kids to be born in this country. When we already can't take care of the kids we have, there are four hundred and twenty-six thousand kids in foster care right now in the United States. Kids sitting in in homes that are looking for families who don't feel loved. But we sign bills like this and we smile, and we say we've done something. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I saw uh, Christy Nome on Fox News Sunday, and she was, and they were asked. They said, "What do you do about the kids that are forced into this world? The parents, how do you give them support?" And she didn't know how to answer the question. You see, Republicans are good at making people have kids, but they're not good on the outcome once the kids are forced to be here. They don't know what to do because they don't believe in helping these people. They don't believe in social programs. They just want the kids to be here. And when the kids arrive, they turn their backs on them. But they smile and they say, guess what? I, I, I did an abortion man bill. If you're going to force a person to have a kid, you need to be with that kid from start to finish. You need to have policies that make the, that mother feel welcome. You need to put things in place that make that mother feel welcome and needed and be, she's going to be taken care of. But we live in a world where we don't do that. We, we want you to have a kid, but once the kid's here, our policies, our ideals don't live up to what we said we would do. They don't live up to the good book. So, Ron, Christy Nome, you, you, you play to this right. You pay to the religious right. But you're not truly living out the good book. So you have these policies that will come back to haunt you. Like I said, Republicans can be better than what they are. Their message is clear. Small government, low taxes, fiscal responsibility. But when you stay and you touch the hot stove, social issues, it will get you every time. Just stay away. Your message is clear. Don't fall for the low-hanging fruit. Because you will be forced to answer this bill when you run for president in 2024. Don't do it. But you did it, and you'll be faced to answer for it. So, like I said, Ron, don't say gay bill. Hmm. 15-week abortion ban. Hmm. Republicans stand for small government, not big government. <laughs> That's a lie. They want to be in your bedroom, and they want to be in your doctor's office. It's a party of ideals that could be very hypocritical, that hinder you, hinder me, and hinder our process. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, thank you. Bless the people of Ukraine. I hope they hold out. 
if they can hold out for 40, I want to say if they can hold out a little bit longer, things will get better. We can get better. This does not have to be the HGTV generation. We can be what our grandparents were, the greatest generation. We can. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good night. God bless.